BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Always a blast uh, when I get to talk to this gentleman that's uh, waiting on deck, the great Vincent Norman, owner of the Marijuana Hall of Fame, uh, Marine veteran, and uh, I just thought it would be a good day, a uh, good opportunity, Vincent, to bring you back on the show. It's it's Veterans Day. We'll talk about uh, veterans, your time in the Marines, and catch up on all the, uh, uh, also the marijuana news of the day. So, first of all, welcome back to the show, young man. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I call he he's younger than me, ladies and gentlemen. So he is a young man. <laughs> he loves it when I call him young man. Vincent, before we uh, get into Veterans Day and uh, you know, tell some stories about uh, your time in the Marines and your thoughts on veterans in general, uh, let's get some updates um, uh, on the uh, in the world of cannabis. Uh, we've talked many times about how the state has stumbled uh, at unveiling. Uh, uh, distributing licenses, making opening up the process so so that black-owned firms can get some licenses uh, to uh, operate dispensaries. And our good friend Tommy Shuba at the Sun-Times had a story today that's saying, well, maybe they're going to try to rectify it uh, by issuing more licenses. Uh, what's your thoughts about this? I think it's... Uh... I think it's a step in the right direction, but, you know, um, I, I still believe that they need to uh, do their diligence in looking at uh, what took place with the process and uh, clean that up as well, because um, you're basically, if, if not, you're basically saying that, okay, you know, we, we pretty much assigned the license to who we want to assign them to. And since we had an uproar, in the process, in the way things took place, we are going to give you all a few carrots for you to shut up. And uh, still, people are going to be left out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they like it when you shut up and go away. Uh, but I have a feeling this is not going to be a situation where people shut up and go away because there's uh, uh, one another article that uh, Tom wrote for the Sun-Times, Tom Yeshuba, uh, was that I think it was $100 million in sales last month uh, in legal reefer sales. $100 million, Vincent. Uh, there's a huge market for marijuana, obviously, cannabis, excuse me, uh, in, the state, in the state of Illinois. Uh, and uh, there's a huge segment of the population locked out of that market, if you follow what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, you know, um, I recently went to Oklahoma, and, you know, when you talk about, you know, Illinois was supposed to be the model, I just want the listeners and I want the people to know Oklahoma pretty much got it right. They... And they're in, their, they're in the medical uh, stages right now, but they allow anyone that had $2,500 to come in and buy a license. And then, of course, you had to 
you know, find and get your brick and mortar and, you know, get product and everything like that. Basically, you learn how to run a business if you haven't already. And they call it the Wild Wild West. But really what it was, it just gave people an opportunity to compete. Mm-hmm. And Illinois has yet to do that. I ran into at least five, six African-American uh, dispensary owners in Oklahoma. There's not one still here in Illinois. That is just, again, unacceptable. So I think, I think the states need to look at what Oklahoma is doing, and maybe that could be the model for inclusion, diversity, and fairness. In a million years, I never thought I'd ever heard anybody say I would look to Oklahoma as a model for how to run uh, <laughs> cannabis operations. Uh, but uh, that's <laughs> that just kind of summarizes how Illinois stumbled out of the gates that we're now looking uh, to Oklahoma. Uh, of all the, but it also just goes to show you, Vincent, how much attitudes have changed. We'll get into the Marijuana Hall of Fame, but attitudes have changed about cannabis in our country where Oklahoma, which is a red state, a conservative state, you know, supposedly a law and order uh, state would be ahead of Illinois, a blue state uh, in terms of distributing licenses in a fair and equitable way. Uh, If I hadn't been down there uh, to witness it myself, I'll be probably thinking just the way you uh, are thinking right now. But again, Oklahoma got it right. Again, November the 3rd, five for five. Uh, five recreational medical marijuanas was on the ballot. Five and oh, five states brought it in. Montana, Mississippi, New Jersey, South Dakota. And the last is really stupid to me here. Let's see. It'll come to me, but five states. Yeah, and, and so that says that the people mm-hmm. have spoken. Mississippi, come on, Mississippi medical, woof. Yeah, mm. no, yeah. The, it, the tides have changed. The tides have definitely changed in this country. They are. I mean, I always believed this. We're, and this is going to get into the marijuana hall of fame. I've always believed uh, that America was willfully uh, being. Uh, misleading about their attitudes about uh, marijuana. People were smoking it, using it, and pretending as though they found it abhorrent. You know what I'm saying? They Because it was illegal, because we allowed like the prohibition elements to rule, uh, so everybody who was smoking it just went along with the, with the game. Even though we were seeing these movies coming out every year where in the movies people would be smoking and TV shows people would be smoking it. And now it's like we don't have to pretend as much anymore, Vincent. You know, people are out in the open. Uh, Let's legalize it. Still illegal on the federal level, which is insane. But we're slowly heading in the right direction. I think we are. And, you know, uh, you know, celebrities are starting to come out more. And uh, be outspoken. You know, people are coming out of the uh, closet and, and, you know, and and saying that, you know, cannabis in some way, some shape and form has helped me uh, get through the day. And so we know that there are medical benefits, you know, regardless of what the status quo says. Um, it's already been proven by several physicians 
Um, again, you know, we just need to move past uh, the, the stigma and the dirty history behind uh, marijuana and cannabis, you know, the decriminalization of uh, locking up so many black and brown people and really start to recognize. So I, I'm, I'm excited and I'm, I'm encouraged and in the sense of uh, the Marijuana Hall of Fame founder to see uh, some of these corporations getting behind uh, Steve D'Angelo, the last prison project, uh, GTI, um, Benzinga, just to name a few. Um, and so that's a start because, you know, you know I believe that, um, that the culture and the corporations should be able to work together. And I think that's really important that that takes place. Uh, something you told me uh, about the Marijuana Hall of Fame before we went in the air, uh, you told me Tommy Chong was on the board. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Cheech and Chong. I think you were too uh, when you were growing up. And that yeah. man paid such a price for our country's uh, just insane prohibition attitudes uh, toward marijuana. He did time federal prison unjustly, in my humble opinion. Uh, and uh, so I think it's good that, uh, like, he get the recognition he deserved, and other people who were sort of pioneers in this get the recognition. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you look at it, you think about it, you know, uh, we talked earlier, and, I, and the excitement to see, um, you know, Willie Nelson still here. Um, Tommy Chong, you already mentioned, Cheech, uh, the founder of Normal, uh, it, uh, the Keith Swoop, is still alive and well in his 70s. So, you know, we really want to acknowledge and, uh, and induct these people and, and, and show them how much we appreciate it, how they championed the plant, because uh, there's a huge history of behind cannabis from the 1300s all the way until now. And we know that it became a schedule one somewhere around 1937 where they, you know, pretty much demonized the plant. And, uh, and so, you know, it's good to see things are kind of going in the right direction to be able to uh, see people getting out with uh, prison reform and those things. So I'm encouraged. Yeah. We may have to have a special media wing of the marijuana hall of fame with for young Tom Shuba, put Tommy in the hall of fame for all the articles he's writing. Man, I, I tell you, you know, uh, he's definitely a candidate, you know, uh, Tom Shuba is really, uh, you know, I, I, again, you know, the sun time is giving him free range, you know, he's out there telling it like it is. And with social media and, and, and everything like that, uh, you can't sugarcoat these things. You know, you got to speak the truth. You got to be uh, have integrity behind um, what is really going on. And, uh, and that's encouraging as well. You know, so, yeah, I believe it's a it's a new day. It's a new day. All right, let's talk about Veterans Day. Um, why don't you tell a story about uh, how was it a young Vincent uh, Norman uh, wound up in the Marines? I'll tell you. Well, I was recruited in high school. I was uh, playing football and I was recruited, uh, you know, and, you know, I guess like some high schoolers, you know, you look into uh, the military branches. And so uh, the Marine Corps kind of appealed to me, but um, I was, again, I was playing football and received a scholarship uh, at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, a full scholarship. So I uh, said, you know, 
the military going to have to take a, a back seat. Uh, so I went to college and, you know, I played uh, <clears throat> in my first year and got injured, ended up breaking my jaw and uh, was really kind of like uh, going through uh, a stage of maybe maybe stress or depression, I guess, because I wasn't able to play and I was injured. And uh, the recruiter had called me, um, left a message at my house. Of course, we didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> and left a message in my house. My mom said, you should call the recruiter. I called him and he said, I got a spot for you if you're still interested. And, um, you know, I said, okay, well, let me see and finish out my year. And I did that. And um, I was off. I went to a uh, boot camp and I ended up in uh, San Diego. Um, and I went to school in Coronado, right across the bridge of San Diego, um, Navy uh, base there. And that's how, I be, that's how I got into the Marine Corps. Now, now, Vincent, uh, when you went to boot camp, was the shock of dealing with the drill, drill instructors and the culture of the Marines, did that uh, throw you back? Was that a hard thing for you to accommodate? Or did you have, because of football, sort of the mental capacity just to fall in line and handle it? You know, I think football played an important part because you're in practice and you have the coaches, you know, they – when you mess up, they yell at you, you know, and they, of course, you're doing your drills and things like that. So they're constantly saying, get up, you know, come on, you can get that last uh, sprint in, get that last, uh, you know, repetition in, you know. So I, I think that kind of helped along the way. The only difference was, you know, we was getting it around, um, you know, at the at the school, so around about 3.30. In the Marine Corps, you was getting it around about 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and so, you know, it was a culture shock to be, uh, have someone coming in at four o'clock and telling you get up, you know, get ready in the shower, get ready to prepare, and all those things. So you know that that, that was the shock. Right. Did you ever have an impulse to tell them to shut up? Did you ever right. have the impulse just to defy uh, the people who uh, you know were yelling at you? Not so much as you know the impulse, but you know, uh, I mean, you know, you you know, sometimes you you know. Uh, you know, you lose it, you get mad, or you know, and, and you want to say some things, but you know, um, you know, you continue to you know respect uh, you know authority and, and people in charge, and so you know, I was able to kind of like uh, department well, departmentalize uh, some of the things that were said, but uh, we had some uh, disagreements, but that was pretty much it. You know, at the end, the drill instructor wins. <laughs> you wait when you say you had disagreements you actually disagreed with the drill instructor oh a couple a couple of times talk about that a little bit i mean i've never heard of that disagreeing with the drill instructor well you know okay you know you, you gotta look at it. this is a, a young man that uh grew up in the inner city of chicago and in inglewood and moved uh, uh around the sixth seventh grade to the South, uh, Arkansas, and from there, the discipline in Arkansas is totally different from the discipline uh, in Chicago in the school systems. And so, you know, um, you kind of uh, slowly adapt. And again, uh, the transformation from going from from leaving the South and going out West into uh, a totally different environment of the military style, it was a little bit interesting. So... Um, yeah, I had, you know, a, a couple of disagreements where, you know, the, the instructor, you know, 
asked me um, <clears throat> to stand at attention and, you know, and it's like uh, two o'clock in the morning and I'm like, no, I'm not standing at attention at two o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to get in my bed, you know? So uh, that ended real, it didn't end real well, you know, because I got back in the bed and I ended up on the, uh, on the floor, you know, we won't get into that discussion, but yeah. wait, wait, did, did they, the drill instructor tip your bed over? Of course. My mattress. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Like and it. so I know you're a big guy. People can't see uh, Vincent. These are, but he's a strong man. Uh, so what, what did you, what did you, how'd you conjure up the discipline not to take a swing at the drill instructor? Oh man. I mean, it's, it's simple, <laughs> you know, I'm a young man trying to uh, get through uh boot camp and uh you know he has all the cards so you know you, you just kind of suck it up you know and uh in the end you know uh all those things that were applied uh were worth you know receiving and uh it was a teaching moment a learning experience in the military and it helped you get through uh the civilian life as well so a lot of the things you don't see at that moment but then you 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 kind of gravitate toward and realize that this is what makes you a better person so uh were, were there any moments when you called home or you were talking to a family or friends going man did i make a mistake uh never you know that that, that was just never uh, the, I never felt that way. You know, I, I, I felt that, you know, I, I was, I had a great opportunity to, um, you know, receive a scholarship. I mean, how many people receive scholarship, full scholarship, you know, in college. So, you know, that being said, you know, uh, I walked away from that and, and chose to go into the military. So I had to accept that responsibility. That was my decision. No one else's. I could have finished out, you know, um, uh, my, uh, years in college but you know i decided to uh you know join the marine corps how, how many years did you serve six six years so when, when when you were done with uh the boot camp aspect of it then what happened what was your uh, marine career i uh trained over at coronado uh with um you know it my mos would be mos is like a career choice with logistics and I was responsible for deploying uh, units out into combat or to exercise training and stuff like that. So I had to make sure that they had all their supplies, you know, the medical supplies, their food supplies, their weapon trees uh, and things like that. So um, it's, it's pretty interesting, but, you know, every from I mean, every ration from food all the way down, you know, you have to make sure that everything is there. You know, so, you know, it was pretty good uh, being able to uh, do those things on and uh, as a logistics specialist. So yeah, it was pretty good. What what years were this that you were in the Marines? <laughs> this were, oh man, I'm dating all my years, but no, nah, from uh, 80, uh, from 82 until 88. Wow, the Reagan years, eighty-two to eighty-eight. Uh, and oh, what, yeah. uh, what, what was the like the the race relations like uh, in the Marines? Did uh, were there tensions, or did the Marines put that aside just because they were Marines? 
no, I mean, you know, you you had that element there. I think you had, you know, just like anywhere you go, you know, you're going to have, uh, you know, people um, not able to deal with diversity and uh, people uh, different um backgrounds, nationalities and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that was, you know, I dealt with a few, uh, issues. I mean, uh, with, uh, racism, a few encounters, but, uh, for the most part, you know, uh, you know, we all bleed green, you know, it's the Marine Corps, simple Fidelis. And, you know, we just kind of, uh, you know, work together as a team to achieve a goal and, uh, and take care of the mission. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you gotta, you got to bunker down and, uh, you know, fight together. So do you, do you ever find yourself having like the stereotypical Marine attitude, uh, when you see people protesting, uh, or you see, see people, uh, you know, uh, uh, criticizing our government, what we're doing, how we're going, like uh, the stereotypical Marine attitudes. If you don't like it here to leave it, do you ever have that attitude in your head? No, uh, you know, you know, there's there's a sense of uh you know, being in the military, you know, um you are you're constantly taught about the, the love of the core and your country and uh the people uh around you. So I, I think that, you know, that I've ran into a few people that, that felt that way, uh, former Marines that were like, you know, you know, we fought for this country. You don't like it. You can leave. You know, I, I believe in the freedom of speech. I believe everybody have the right to express their opinions, their views. And uh, that's what I went over there for. Uh, you know, that's what I joined the Marine Corps for is, is for the fact that this is a free country. So when people have their views and their opinions, you know, uh, for me, I said, bring it on. You know, I think the more the merrier, because if you're not hurting anyone and you, you're expressing uh, the injustice or the, the racism or, you know, just anything that is against uh, humanity, I think uh, I'm all for it. So, uh, Vincent, you're one of the Marine veterans uh, who was upset at Colin Kaepernick when he took the knee. Oh, no. Matter of fact, I uh, was in Atlanta, got on top of uh, my rental car in front of uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium and took a knee and, and took a photo and posted it up on my Instagram. I was in full support because it wasn't about the flag. It wasn't about the military. It was about the injustice that was going on in the, in the urban communities. And uh, I know it all so well. And, you know, I lost a few uh, friends, a few clients along the way. But at the end of the day, you know, I thought that Kaepernick did the right thing and I wanted to show support. And, you know, really, uh, a lot of people felt that way. You know, it was just like, again, uh, the media and, you know, certain aspects of people, you know, making it seem like this was about the flag. And then all of a sudden, Joy, uh, uh, Joe Floyd, I mean, uh, Floyd uh, hit and then uh, it changed everything. George Floyd. Yeah. When that happened, you know, people really was like, okay, we see what's going on now. And people was more or less, more or less like in compliance. You know, uh, wow, George Floyd. I think I met you just before. George Floyd was murdered. I remember having a long conversation with you on the phone. 
Uh, remember right after George Floyd was murdered. I don't know if you remember that phone conversation. And uh, that was such a revealing moment for America. It's already now, how many months ago, uh, Vince? It's about six months have passed, five months or something like that. <laughs> yes. uh, how do you think the country has, has fared uh, since George Floyd? Do you think lessons were learned? Or do you think this country is as divided as it was uh, back in May when that story first hit? You know, was lessons learned, uh, I believe, there were, but then uh, again, you know, when you have so many uh, people, I call it opposition, that is comfortable, you know, in their environment and do not want to acknowledge that Black Lives not Matter, do not want to acknowledge that there are some bad cops out there and, and do not want to acknowledge that the court system is not fair to black and brown people. There's a lot of injustice that goes on. So when you have a certain amount of people that do not want to acknowledge that or looks the other way, you know, we still got some work to do. I mean, that's that shows by the, you know, the division in the election, you know, um, you know, 70 people, 70 million people came out and voted for Donald Trump. And um, with, you know, some of the, his views and some uh the stances that he take, you know, that's, that says a lot about the division in this country because that is you know, 67% of the stuff that he does, I don't feel that's American. And people can say, well, yeah, you know, people are crossing the border and this, and, you know, and, and he wants to stop people from crossing the border. But come on, we got immigrants in this in this country from Ireland, from all over, from uh, come on, Pakistan, you name it. So it, it, at the end of the day, this is what America was built on: giving people the opportunity to come here, be free, be able to voice their opinion, and be able to live in peace and harmony. And that's just not been happening. So we got some work to do. Yeah. Uh, I'll get into the election, but before we leave Veterans Day behind, uh, do you, what's your attitude when people say, when they hear that you're Marine, they say, thank you for your service. Are you appreciative of that? Uh, do you find in some ways that it's just ironic? Uh, in general, when people say, they hear you're Marine, they go, oh, well, thank you for your service. What's your reaction to that? Oh, it's always appreciative because, <laughs> you know, I look at it like this. They don't have to say it. And so, you know, no matter what, where it comes from, whether it's a white person, Asian, black, white, green, whoever, you know, I, I, I have nothing but gratitude toward that because, uh, again, uh, people are acknowledging that, you know, that you serve this country. And it used to be, you know, I, and, and, and I'm familiar with that. That's used to not be the case. So, you know, um, you said something about you was in the military, and they'd be like, "Oh, man, you was in the Marine Corps. You dealt with that stuff." Da, da, da. <laughs> so, um, so you know, it's good to see you know uh, the armed forces, our men and women being recognized, and people are saying, "You know, thank you for your services." So, I would never uh, not appreciate that. You know, 
Vincent, I have to uh, make a confession here. I'm probably one of the people that would have that reaction. Uh, when I hear someone's in the military, the first question I always ask them is, how did you put up with the, dr- <laughs> the drill instructors? How did you put, because it's just like if someone tell, I have this averse reaction. I'm using you as my therapist now, Vincent. Like when someone really starts yelling at me and telling me, I want to go the other way. You know what I mean? It's like, you tell me I have to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to no, just not do it. And I just that's what, whenever I hear anybody, you were in the Marines, you were in the Army. How did you deal with those drill instructions? That's kind of my. That, I have to admit, my first impulse is not to say, "Well, thank you for my your service." My first impulse is, "How did you get through that?" That's well, well you know, I mean, there's a small percentage of individuals that you know. Uh, so to speak, get sent back home or uh, just you know, they're just not cut out to do it, you know, and I think the military has a, they have a good, uh, um, <laughs> they're good at recognizing that, I should say. They, they're good at recognizing uh, if you're just not going to be able to do it, you know, because why spend all this money on training you, sending you to school, getting you through all this and then um, get you out there, whether you go to combat or just going out to on the exercise, getting sent overseas and uh, you can't cut the mustard, you know, I mean, you can uh, end up, you know, uh, harming your fellow, uh, you know, military men and women, you know, if you don't hit that heel, right. You know, if they say hit that heel, you got to go hit that heel. <laughs> you know, you can't turn around and go the other way, you know, you give up positions and stuff like that. So again, it's the reason why the discipline, you know, up front is really, uh, uh apply because yeah. you, you got to make sure you got to weed out the ones who just don't want to be there or just won't be able to adapt to that type of situation. I mean, you got to remember you're in the military, it's, 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 you're not, you know, policing uh, the city streets uh, in the United States. You're policing other countries. And mm-hmm. there's so many unknowns there. So you have to be ready and prepared for that. Uh, yeah. By the way, when you were t- uh, talking about uh, the military as a way of ushering people out that don't really uh, fit the pattern, I'm thinking of the great Jimi Hendrix who was in the army for a while. Uh, and then the, the army just said to Jimmy Hendrix, you know, maybe she go play your guitar. And they just ushered him out. And the world was a better place. I think, uh, Vincent, cause he went on to become one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Yes. <laughs> I just like, remember the, the, the army guys like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's not really cut out for the army. Uh, and they ushered him out. People don't know that, but Jimmy Hendrix was in the army for a little while. Um, yeah. We just had an election. Uh, Joseph uh, Biden is victorious. Donald Trump may not recognize that. Having a little trouble uh, dealing with reality, Vincent. Uh, clearly, Donald Trump was not in the Marines. Uh, could just imagine Donald Trump in the Marines? Just for a moment, Vincent. Just a moment. Donald Trump. You th- talk about a guy who wants to do it his way and his way alone. Donald Trump in the Marines, Vincent Norman. Imagine that for a moment. <laughs> okay, uh, I you know I, it'll be tough. <laughs> it, it's, it'll probably be tough for him, you know. Um, 
But, you know, you, you never know because I've seen people come in and they cried the first two weeks. And when it was time for graduation, they were, you know, a couple of them was meritoriously promoted, you know. I mean, it, it, you know, it's all about molding and all about adapting and all about coming coming together uh, as as an individual. And you're either going to be able to make it or you're not. Um, but, yeah, I think he probably would have had a very difficult time, you know. Well, that's why he uh, dodged it when he had the opportunity to serve. All right. Anyway, uh, but were you encouraged uh, by uh, the election? Uh, did you see hope uh, from what just went down? Um, yes, I, I I think, you know, more or less I were was able to see, um, I think the world was able to see that, you know, we are not too far away from um, the early days before the civil rights movement. Um, and, and, and people might say, no, nah, well, that's, that's speaking a little bit, a little too harsh. But when you think about it and you see videos after videos of people popping up and, you know, the racial tone and the disrespect, and you would think after, you know, George Floyd, the incident, you know, here we are watching, uh, uh, another cop shoot an uh, unarmed black man seven times in his back, paralyzing him from the waist down in front of his kids, in front of the community. You watch it, then you watch it, see another incident where the mother <clears throat> is clearly trying to defend her son, clearly telling the officers he has mental uh, health issues. Mm-hmm. And you know, and as they were telling him to put the knife down, you would think that there was some other way that they could have disarmed this young black man. Um, but they gunned him down in the streets in front of his mother. And, you know, I can't even imagine how she feels and and how to how in general how people as a whole that sees this constant uh barbaric type of uh, behavior with a few uh, dirty cops or a few cops that doesn't have the proper training. So, you know, I can go on and on, but yeah, we have a, we have a ways to go. And, um, you know, with this election, uh, I, I think that um, I would hope that uh, Donald Trump would, uh, you know, really let this be a smooth transition. Um, you know, we can talk about, all, you know, and, I've, and I've ran into a few people to say, oh, yeah, man, they, they, there's a lot of fake ballots. There's a, you know, a lot of, you know, um, illegal votes. And I'm like, where, where was this at when uh, Hillary lost to Donald Trump? You know, so, I mean, at the end of the day, the people have spoken. Let's move on. And the 70 million people that voted for Donald Trump, we got to get along. We, we cannot continue to go down this path. And I... You know, I just extend to both sides that we make this work, you know, and do the best we can to, if nothing else, for the next generation that's coming along. Well put. Uh, let's close with a little basketball talk. It cannot be uh, Vince Norman uh, appearance on the show without talking basketball. People have listened to some of the previous conversations. Vincent Norman, mm-hmm. uh, big time basketball fan. I was very uh, was uh, active mm-hmm. uh, in a past career with uh, Michael Jordan uh, and uh, sent me a picture 
from it must be about 15 years old vincent this photo of you a team that you were coaching or organizing uh, a, a uh, so I, i'm not sure it was a team or traveling team or an all-star team in new york that featured a young danny green and danny green of course became an outstanding guard he played uh plays for the la lakers got another ring since the last time we talked your old friend danny green has got another ring you must be pretty happy about that Yes, I was, but you know, uh, my predictions. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad maybe I was away for a while because maybe the people, the audience, kind of forgot about my predictions. But man, did I uh, did I bomb on uh, a couple of uh, teams that I thought that would make it to the finals? But yeah, with Danny Green, you know, we had the opportunity to, uh, to have a team at Rucker Park. Danny Green was young; he was at the time at 18 years old. Joaquin Noel from Florida was also on that team. Um, and we made it all the way to the championship, ended up losing in double overtime. So, yeah, you know, to see uh, him still in the league and Joaquin Noel still in the league and they're, you know, on their ways out at the end of their careers. But, man, uh, Danny Green's got to be sitting pretty high. He's won uh, a few titles over there in San Antonio. Comes to Toronto, wins the title, you know, leaves Toronto, go to L.A., wins the title. Hey, I'm happy for him. You know, uh, he's a good guy. He has a good character. And, uh, you know, you like to see good people win. You know, I, my team, the, the Clippers, didn't win a good championship. But, you know, we'll get into that. But, you know, uh, maybe next year. <laughs> well, I, uh, I was wrong, too. Just let the record show. I was wrong, too. I'm not going to try to let Vincent be the only one to fess up. I, too, predicted the Clippers would win the championship. They didn't even make it past Denver. Still disappointed about that. Um, I was really rooting for the Clippers because I love Doc Rivers. And now he's not even the coach because they lost. You know, he, he left L.A., and now he's the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I was as wrong as you were, Vincent, so don't feel too bad. Any hope? Let's close with some hopeful signs of Veterans Day for my beloved Chicago Bulls who have a new coach, Billy Donovan. And, Vincent, you're from Englewood, so there's somewhere inside you there's a Bulls fan still alive. Any hope for my beloved Chicago Bulls? You know what? You know, I, I think that uh, we're going to have a very young team that's going to compete. And... Uh, you know, we might we might get to that we might get to that eight spot. You know, I'm I'm hopeful. There's only 72 games this coming up this season, so you know, uh, if we can if we can get 40 out of the 72, or maybe 45 out of the 72, I think we have a chance to, to secure a, a eight and seven spot. He's a good coach. You know, he he has a proven record, uh, Billy Donovan and. Uh, you know, I'm going to be uh, reaching out to him as well. Uh, like I said, back in the Florida days, we coached at Florida. Oh, Joaquin Noel. Um, and hopefully, like you said, hopefully Joaquin Noel come back to the Bulls as well. That'll be a uh, a nice reunion uh, for both of them, as, you know. So we'll see. I'm hopeful, though. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm really hopeful for that. I love JoJo Noah. Uh, he was one of my favorite Bulls when he, back in the day was Joaquin Noah and Derrick Rose. Uh, and uh, Lou Aldang, that was a nice, that team had a nice run, made it to the conference finals, lost to LeBron and D. Wade, but um, I'm hoping for the best for my beloved Bulls with Billy Donovan, and uh, so maybe you can bring them some good luck. Vincent, uh, 
I don't usually say this, but I'll say it just because it's veteran days. Thank you for your service, not just to this country, but to the Ben Jarofsky show. How about that? Thank you for your service across the board. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That's the great Vincent Norman. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.